Any education apart from Jesus Christ is for us miseducation. And it produces not education nor an educated man, but a new race of barbarians who are today busily destroying their civilization. Humanistic education is the institutionalized love of death. Christian education, because it serves him who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, is the love of life. This is the Love of Life podcast, Conversations with Jesse and Courtney. Welcome to episode three. Have we titled this podcast yet? Is it called the Love of Life podcast? (laughs) I think so. Okay, so why do we name it the Love of Life podcast? Um, because you love Rush Dooney. That's why. <laughs> okay. Yes. And it goes with the, it goes with the amazing quote that you can hear, uh, on every episode of Rush Dooney saying that because Christian education serves him who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, Christian education is the love of life. Yeah. Right. Yes. But I don't know. You've heard it a hundred times. I, I, it's, it. I, I know. I, I've heard it a hundred times. I think that's the exact quote, but I'm, I'm, I'm at least very close. But what a other connotation is, you're the love of my life. There you go. And we're talking about the love of life. The love of life. Life is Christ. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. And like the beginning of all wisdom is fearing the Lord. And in Proverbs, it talks about those who hate or despise wisdom, love death. Yeah. So loving God leads to life. Hating God, rejecting wisdom leads to death. Yep. That's right. The Love of Life podcast. (laughs) Okay. So this episode, you had an awesome take on the first chapter of James. In the first few verses, and do you, do you want to just say your take first? Do you want me to read the verses that? Yeah, right. Okay, do. is it starting in verse two? My brothers counted exceeding joy. Yeah, I guess I kind of had two takes. It was okay, that and then the thing later on. Okay, you want me to just read the couple of verses though, so yeah. people kind of know this is where you're coming from? Because I thought you had such a really. I was good... only going to share about the second take further down. You can okay. Well, what how whatever take you want to give. <laughs> hey, you, both your takes are all your takes are good. I love all That's your takes. The word is good. Okay, uh, this is just so everybody, just so people know. So we are reading out of the modernized Geneva Bible from Canon Press, and these little Bible booklets arrived on our doorstep. What did we get this a couple weeks ago? Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Yeah, I hate cool. I I hate using the word awesome. It just sounds juvenile, but for lack of a better word, the the new Geneva, the modernized Geneva Bible, fifth, uh, which came out the the old the original Geneva Bible came out in fifteen ninety nine. Uh, this modernized text gets you know updates some of the language, the these and the thous and stuff. But yeah, and the spelling because you the can spelling, read the right. Geneva Bible even from the like the Bible app. Yes, and it's great, but like you're auto correcting like almost every word, right? Which is distracting. Yes. 
Okay, James chapter 1, verse 2 says, My brothers, count it exceeding joy when you fall into various temptations, knowing that the testing of your faith brings forth patience. And let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and whole, lacking nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men generously, and reproaches no man, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, and waver not, for he who wavers is like a wave of the sea tossed by the wind and carried away. Neither let that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let the brother of low condition rejoice that he is exalted. Again, he who is rich, that he is made low. For as the flower of the grass shall he vanish away. For as when the sun rises with heat, that then the grass withers and its flower falls away, and its handsome appearance perishes. Even so shall the rich man wither away in all his ways. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he is for when he has tried, he shall receive the crown of life with the Lord, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, neither does he tempt any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away by his own lust and is enticed. Then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Err not, my brothers, every good giving and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness nor shadow of turning. Of his own will he begot us with the word of truth, that we should be as the first fruits of his creatures. Is that yeah, about his fault? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like reading back to the beginning, just uh, verses two through four, when it talks about counting exceeding joy when you fall into various temptations. I feel like usually when I've read that in James, it's the translation that says trials. Mm-hmm. So something just hit me different, I guess, with the word temptations. Um, like, how we can be so glad when we're tempted to be impatient, when we're tempted to grumble, when something happens that makes us want to, you know, pout or complain or be envious. Like we can be glad about that because those temptations, those things that pull our heart uh, towards things that towards sin, those are things that are testing our faith. They're things that and it's not that God tempts us to sin because God doesn't tempt anybody. It says later because he's not enticed by sin, nor does he entice anyone to sin. But he allows us temptations so that we can see what's in us. Those things are always in us, but that temptation pulls it out of us. It reveals our own hearts so that we can see um, those things and repent of them. Um, it's an opportunity for us to see what we really believe. like. If I'm tempted to complain, then what am I truly saying? Like, I believe God is sovereign over everything. Well, is he sovereign over my computer not working? (laughs) Like, I can complain about it or I can say, okay, Lord, even in this, you're sovereign. I can ask him to give me wisdom to fix it. But I can also rejoice that I was tempted to complain, but that it showed me I'm not trusting in him if my reaction is to complain and that. He is Lord over all, everything, every moment of every day, every thing that's happening. So like I can submit to him 
in that. Um, it's like, do I really rest in his providential will and directing of my course? Those temptations help reveal if we do or if we don't. And when I do rest in him and I let the truth of who he is sustain me through that temptation, um, and I look to the Holy Spirit for strength to resist it, then patience is formed in me. And patience is like this first downward step that slides you right into wholeness and perfection without lack. Like, I love how there's all these lists in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, where it's like one thing, one good thing, patience. Then it leads to perfection and uh, wholeness. It's like, oh, it just started with the one and then it like grows into other good things. It's just so cool. Um, but it's because this, this process of at the end of the testing, it leads to, um, wow, forget that part. Um, it's because of this process laying at the end of the testing, the process of patience and all that, that we can rejoice at the first sight, the first glimpse of temptation. We can have joy because we know that when we resist that, then our faith is real. We really are what we say we believe about God's sovereignty or whatever attribute we really do. Cause yeah. we resisted that temptation. We trusted in him and patience is formed in us and then wholeness and perfection. And then it circles back around in verse 12 to say, even the crown of life, like it's just so glorious. It's like only in, the upside down, inside out sometimes of what God commands. It doesn't make sense in the natural. It makes perfect sense in God's way of doing things. Like nobody else can tell you, oh my gosh, be exceedingly glad when you've got like temptations coming at you. <laughs> like, but God uses those. Yeah. Like that's so cool. And for our good. So like when a temptation happens, we can be like grateful for it. Right. So like, okay, the thing about the dog. Oh, yes. Yep. Ajax keeps running out, running off. He has since the 4th of July. Fireworks scared him. And he has been getting out over and over and over. He's probably gotten out 20 to 25 times in the last month. Oh, my. That many? <laughs> yes. He's gotten out that many times. I like 10, which is still a lot. But I, whatever. It's, it's lot. 20 times. It has to be. And through the course of this trial... Of the dog running off, which is really just a big headache. It's like the temptation to be angry. It's temptation and complain to be, and grumble and be, yeah. ah, I'm busy doing something else. Where did the dog go? It's, it's aggravating. And, of course, we love our dog. We care a lot about him and we don't want him to run off. Well, we finally fixed the fence, we thought. And now he's getting, he's found some other part of our big fence in our big backyard to find a way to get out. We don't know where the hole is or the place that he's getting out of. And as a result, he's still running off. But the thing is, we have had, uh, out of of 20 times that he's run off, we've had 20 different neighbors (laughs) that we've met as a result. Mm -hmm. And it finally dawned on me, maybe about halfway through, well, okay, maybe about like the last time this happened. It finally (laughs) hit me where I was like, you know what? I'm meeting all of these neighbors next to us. I would not have otherwise met these, these neighbors. We, you know, we have about seven acres. A lot of people around us have acreage. They have long driveways, a lot of them. We would not meet them otherwise. How else are we going to form a relationship with them unless my dog sneaks (laughs) off and enters their yard 
very inconveniently to us at the time. And, and, and it's a trial to, it, the, the, you know, it's a minor, minor temptation. But the temptation is to complain. The temptation is to grumble and say, ah, you know, we believe that God is sovereign. We believe he's sovereign over every situation, even when the dog's running off. <laughs> yeah. And as a result, I think the last time, which was just the other day, he ran off. I finally came home with this new understanding of, you know, this isn't really bad. I really need to count this all joy because I'm forming friendships, relationships or whatever, not friendships, but I'm forming a connection with neighbors who otherwise wouldn't have known us, who potentially we can give the gospel to, who we can pray for, who we can get to know if my dog wasn't running off and inconveniencing me. Yeah. So the sovereign Lord even has his hand even in this. Yeah. Well, and we've, we've been praying for our neighbors. Like we've just yes. been as a general on like our daily prayer list, we've been praying for, you know, our friends, our family, our children, the generations to come after us, our neighbors, our city, <laughs> our country. It's, but our neighbors are specifically like some of the people that we're daily praying for. So it was like the first few times it's like, oh my gosh, this is like an answer to prayer. We're meeting neighbors. But then it's like, really? He's still doing this. This is annoying. <laughs> And then, yeah, it was like the last time, which was just a couple of days ago, you're like, okay, I really am not going to complain yeah. anymore when he does this because I met just another neighbor. Right. So that's just cool. One tiny example of seeing this play out. Yeah. Um, and it does say temptations of various kinds. So I think some are totally minute and just small, but you can either view it as an inconvenience and an interruption to what you see as being the most productive or the perfect day. Or you can say, well, I can make all of my plans, but God directs my steps and trust that he can overrule your plans and you can trust him in that. So that's cool. Yeah. Okay. The other thing. Yeah. So what's your second observation? Because your other one's really good too. Okay. I've read this, you know, a lot, but I guess I've never paid attention to these two things that are back to back and like the importance of that. So it's, further down in James 1, 13 through 17, where it talks about, um, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil. Neither does he tempt any man, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away by his own lusts and is enticed. Then when lust is conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Err not my brothers. Every good giving and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variableness nor shadow of turning. So we're drawn away by our own lust and enticed. Lust leads to sin, which brings forth death. But immediately following you know, that trajectory is that every good giving and every perfect gift is from above, from God to us. We have no need to lust after anything. We have no need to you know, want or long for because every good giving comes down to us from God. So when we lust after anything, we desire it, we long for it, we think we must have it, we're consumed by the wanting, um, we are denying and rejecting the sufficiency found in Christ. We are making the longing or the lusting that we're making what we're longing for or lusting after the object of our greatest desire, not the true God. Yeah. Um, it's a chasing after deaf and dumb idols. Uh, and we, we don't even need to, we don't even need to lust after 
anything, not because we don't need things or, you know, have, have something that, that we need to present to God. But when we are lusting after that thing, it's not because we don't need things, but because everything we need, every good and perfect gift comes down from him. So instead we can submit our longings and put our lust under his feet and seek him, trust him, love him, be thankful for his promises and rest in his goodness to us. This is the way to life. He is life. So just like that juxtaposition of when we long after and make anything other than him our true end leads in death. But when we seek after him, when he's the object, we can take our desires to him. If they're wrong desires, you know, we can repent of them. We can have him take those. And if they're true needs, he can give us those things. But when he's our object of who we're desiring more than anything, it leads to life and it's fulfilling. So I don't know, just that was so cool to see, like, don't, don't lust after things that leads to sin and death. Oh, and God gives you everything. Everything comes right. down from God that, that you need. Every good giving and perfect gift right. comes from him. So He equips us with all that we need, and we have all, all of the riches are in Christ. Yeah. All of the things that we long for, chase after, and want, he's already held out a hand saying, I've already given it to you. This is yours. What, what we do is we, continuing on with your thought, is we... We lust after the riches. We lust after the relationship that isn't ours, the, 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 you know, material, the wealth of the world. And the Lord's like, or even just like the life, the easy day or, yeah, yeah. you know, just the zero interruptions, zero inconvenience. Right. It's all manner of things. Yeah. But he's given us all things and true happiness, true joy that in that uh is it inexpressible inexpressible joy that i read glorious and glorious joy it was like two things maybe yeah. it was inexpressible and glorious joy right it's uh first peter one that says uh talking about the lord jesus christ whom you have not seen and yet love him and yet love him in whom now though you see him not Yet do you believe and rejoice with unspeakable and glorious joy. So it's like we have that unspeak. The joy is unspeakable. There are no, there are no words for it. <laughs> yeah. There are no words that we can actually sum it all up. The joy that is in Christ is far greater than the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. It's far greater. It's unspeakable riches and joy to know Jesus to be a part of him, to be in him. And he owns it all. It's all his. And he's already said here, you, you're mine. And I give you everything that you need. It's all summed up in, in him. Yeah. And ultimately only he satisfies. So if you have all the things, what does it profit a man? He has the whole world. Like, all the things don't make us happy. All the things can't possibly satisfy us. Yeah. Only he is big enough, true enough, good enough to satisfy our hearts. When our souls find contentment in him, it's true contentment. 
And then if we have nothing or if we have everything, yeah, we're satisfied. And I, th- I know you probably can't attest to this because I feel like you've been in a, a place of more, you've been closer to this truth than I have in different times and seasons of your life. Um, than myself when I've, when I've, you know, there's been times where I have strive, strived after, strove after. (laughs) (laughs) There's been many times. Strived after. Strived after, right? I think so. so. Whatever. So there's many times where I, I have, um, you know, wanted more than what the Lord has given. And the things that I'm wanting, be it fame, glory, uh, more money, more power, um, you know, songs to sell, people to look at me, my, you know, in, in the past, my, you know, music, what, whatever it's been. Oh man, this isn't happening. Why am I not getting this? It like, that leads to such utter, uh, contemptuousness of heart. Like just a, a desire that is not being fulfilled when I could have had my desires filled in Christ to such a degree, take it or leave it. I don't need this or that to happen to be completely satisfied mm-hmm. in Christ. Mm-hmm. I can be totally satisfied in him now in what I have. The those those riches, those joys, that those unspeakable words that are full of joy is far greater than anything that my lusts were wanting to attain or to get. Seeing that now is like, oh, well duh. <laughs> It's so grand. It's so wonderful. Yeah. What was I thinking? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we can clearly see there are lots of people who have from a, you know, a worldly perspective, earthly, like, oh my gosh, they have everything, you know, or they, whoever success in different areas or different things. And then they're totally unhappy. They're totally. And we can see that everywhere. Social media is always like this. You know, people are all, oh, this person's got you know, this particular car or this particular house or this particular, you know, ideal of life. And and we all strive after and lust after that particular thing, whatever those things are. And even, even when you get it, even when you're the Jeff Bezos of the world, you are still without Christ an unsatisfied, foolish person. You're, you're literally a foolish person and you can be the richest person in the world. You're missing it. You're missing the greatest, the the, the riches that far uh, exceed all of our earthly expectations and even lust. And the problem with lust of any kind is that you never get to the bottom of your lust. Yeah. Even when you get the thing, you go, this is the thing I was wanting. This is the thing that I thought was going to satisfy me. No, I need, I need more of it. And then you continue, we see this degrada- degradation in this sort of society that were that is crumbling all around us right now, where you see all these people that are never satisfied. They're 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 malcontents. They they're never just truly happy. The, the people that are striving after happiness, that want that to will live their life with their best life now. You know that nonsense. They're the most miserable people in the world because they're missing the very greatest thing that will give them the contentment and the joy, which is a person, which is Jesus Christ himself. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's, that's the, and I think that's, that's your observation from James. Yeah. Yeah. Or like even today in Psalm five, 
that we're listening to where it talks about this connects. Just follow me. <laughs> uh, that connect the dots, like loving the Lord, like makes us want to shout for joy yes. and like sing. Like we've remarked in the last few days, like Christians should be the happiest people <laughs> on the planet. Like right. They should be the most joyful. And it's because what we have to be joyful about is immense and without end. It's a God who has always existed from eternity past, who made the whole world, who has the most fantastic plan that he's executing throughout time, space, and history. Like we worship a perfect God. Like we yeah. that who's in control of everything, who even cares about like the littlest, tiniest things, like everything that he is. And I feel like the more we read the Bible, the more we worship him, like the more we see of him and we could never even exhaust all that he is. I mean, Moses couldn't even see more than his backside as he <laughs> walked past like the back of his glory, like, and his face glowed for the rest of his life, yeah. like in a way that offended the people where uh, <laughs> they asked him to wear a veil. But like, because of that, because of who he is and because of, you know, what he offers us, peace and contentment and joy unspeakable we should be the happiest people yeah and so and if we're not something's wrong something's wrong yeah. with our theology our theology should make us want to sing yeah who right said I, that? Said, I think who it's said i think j.i packer said that someone okay. tweeted that out but i think it was a quote from j.i packer our theology should be so grand in scale or something like that he said this that it should, we should be able to make a song out of our theology. And if we can't, there's something wrong with our, with our theology. Yeah. 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 But the Bible presents that type of theology that it does make you want to sing. Right. Because it's not dry. It's not like we're talking about boring, mundane things. We're, we're, we're talking about the very things that give the soul joy because we were made for God. We were made for him. We were made for relationship with him. And without him, no matter what we lust after and we try to attain, even if we attain it, we will never attain joy. Yeah. It's impossible to attain joy without the one who gives ultimate joy, who is joy. Yep. All right. So there we go. Any, yeah. any closing thoughts? Uh, I don't so. All right. Thank you for listening to the Love of Life podcast, Conversations with Jesse and Courtney. It is our duty through our schools to create a new one, a God-centered one. We are told in Proverbs 8, verses 35 and 36, For whoso findeth me findeth life, and shall obtain favor of the Lord. But he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. All they that hate me love death.